I'm suiting up. Welcome to Dr. Three, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth in climbing the standardized ranked ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Nicolias and Major Death. So, Mage, you want to give us last week's poll question to start off the show? Sure, sure. Last week's poll question, we asked what which class do you think is going to be the biggest winner from the latest round of balance changes? We had seven votes, so not, not very many. And to the surprise of probably no one, Demon Hunter ended up with the most votes. And Mage and Rogue finished second. Uh, in a tie and we did not have anybody uh, put in another vote so we will uh we will have a poll question again this week definitely hope more people will participate so if you see it give us your opinion and we will talk about the results on next week's show and i was just looking at the uh tempo storm their meta report before the beginning of the show and it looks like uh yeah, their their data backs that up. As <laughs> De- Tempo Demon Hunter is a tier one deck, so it, it just it just needs time to re reevaluate some cards and uh, figure out what they need to do to adjust the latest round of changes because they still got plenty of powerful cards as we've talked about, mm-hmm. and so now it's finding which new set of thirty you want to go into battle with. Yep. So let's move on to news. So this week, week two Grandmaster, Surrender, Swids, and Gallons win Grandmasters week two. Surrender in APAC, Swids in Europe, and Gallon in Americas. Uh, Surrender's lineup was running Tempo Demon Hunter, Secret Galcron Road, Highlander Hunter, Temple Warrior. Swid's lineup is Tempo, Demon Hunter, Tempo Warrior, Galcon Rogue, and Zulok. And then finally, uh, Gallon had Highlander Secret, Galcon Rogue, enough words, uh, Tempo Warrior, Combo Demon Hunter, and Zulok. So Zulok seems to be making like uh, a big comeback in a big, big way thanks to the imprisoned Scrap Imp. (laughs) Like, it turns out that, like, Imprisoned Scrap Imp and Hand of Gul'dan, like, you can draw a bunch of cards and then suddenly have a bunch of, like, one drops with magic carpets in your hand that all get plus two, plus two. And it's like, I don't know how I deal with this. (laughs) Yeah. And you can win even without the Scrap Imp on two, which is crazy. And, and, it's, I think, because of the fact that unlike previous iterations where you were discarding cards as Soulfire or or other cards, the fact that the cards in these versions of Zulok specifically target the highest costing card in your hand is a huge benefit. And the fact that the, the draw card is the most expensive card in your hand more often than not. Exactly. And the fact that you get those cards even if you discard that card. So it's just like with the expired merchant, with the, uh, with the, um, the rusher, the, the four mana. Yeah. The four mana five, five. I don't remember her name, but she discards your highest cause. Is it matriarch or something like yes. that? Yeah. I want to say something like that. And it's just, uh, yeah, it, it just, it, it is crazy how quickly you can fill your hand in addition to the fact that you always have the hero power that can get you can get you cards but but between swids and gallon there's there's some differences there and magic carpet we're seeing once again that magic carpet's a pretty good card yeah specifically in decks that can create uh lackeys and uh you know can 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 get a bunch of cards in their hand by the way it's Um, nightshade matron is the card yeah yes yeah that's that's the one because that also discards the most uh expensive card in your hand and yeah when you get those the 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 uh draw card in your hand it's just like you can you can go from like nothing to a lot of cards in your hand very fast i i saw i saw swids like roll over people just like quick three and outs with that that uh zoolock if you pulled the imprisoned scrap imp and drop it on curve and then you're able to hand of Gul'dan before it goes off or um evil genius is another good one but 
just add a bunch of cards to your hand before it goes off. If it goes off on curve, woo, it there's not much not much you can do, especially if you're a slower deck. It's just like ooh. That just adds so much stats to your hand. It's ridiculous. I think I think I underestimated the Scrap Imp looking at it and Hand of Gul'dan. Yeah, th- this week was a uh, last hero standing, so you actually did mm-hmm. not have to switch decks. And so, yeah, there were times where you'd start out, <laughs> they st- started out on the Zulok and then just rolled right through all three of the opponent's decks before, uh, yeah. before, the, <laughs> before the series is done. It's like, wow. It was, so, uh, it was pretty ridiculous. So, um, I thought that was like the more interesting deck that I, from the weekend, because I had seen pretty much every other deck, you know, pretty regularly, but I didn't see much of that zoo warlock. And it turns out that in imprisoned scrap imp performs much better than I thought it would at initial first glance. Yeah. The, the tempo hunter we've seen the demon hunter we've mm-hmm. seen, uh, the, that that's kind of the current iteration. The the tempo warrior here is is that enrage uh, version that I think No Hands Gamer kind of brought to the forefront with eggs and and with uh, the uh, the war maw challenger. The, the war maw challenger. Yep, the war maw challenger is uh, very good. Has the... enrages has the risky skipper with the armor smiths and some of the some of those turns where you just gain twenty some odd armor is just absolutely the most ridiculous thing ever. The blood boil um, brutes, the yes, uh, blood sail mor- mercenaries, and if you're if you're running the enrage um, rampage blood sail uh, blood sail corsair or Bloodsworn Mercenary, excuse me. And you can hit for, what is it, seven? Is it, well, it's nine, da- 18 damage in a single turn with that combo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Warrior, turns out Warrior's in a very good place right now, and it's one of the more difficult decks to pilot. So, there's a lot of talk about it, and uh, I've... I've played it a little bit. Um, I cra- actually crafted Terran and both War Mall Challengers today to just try it out. And yeah, it's it's challenging to say the very least. So very interesting. Um, so not a lot of news this week. It was a, kind of a rather quiet week after we've had a very uh, eventful series of weeks with uh, balance of changes and the ex- the expansion coming out, which is pretty crazy how fast they they came out. <laughs> so um, we wanted to talk about some more of like fundamentals. And this week we were going to focus on tech cards. Um, when to use them, when not to use them, and just kind of talk about some of the different types of tech cards there are in Hearthstone. So, Nicholas, you want to kind of start us off? Sure. Um, so, we kind of had a list of different kinds of tech cards out here. Like, there's Weapon Hate in the form of, like, Acidic Swampus um, and Cobalt Sticky Finger. There's Your Silences, Iron Beak Owl, uh, Secret Hate, and Flare, SI Infiltrator. Um, there's some tribal stuff like Hungry Crab and Waste Warden. There's Hand and Deck Disruptors, Chaos Gazer, Bad Luck Albatross. And then there's a Mana, um, Messing with your opponent's Mana in the form of Boom Pistol Bully and Mana Burn. Um... The last one's not it's hard to say it's a tech card it's more just disruption which is a little bit different but mm-hmm. um so when would you use tech cards um i mean that's it's hard to say it there, there's no like definitive line i think that people tend to include tech cards more often than they should be um I think 
I think in general, for me at least, I'd be wanting to include them if I would be getting value from them once every other game, I think. That okay. You, that you actually have it. Uh, so you're not going to draw it every game and you're not going to... You know, uh, go if you have like acidic swamp boots, you're not going to go into a weapon class every single game. But if you're not running into enough weapon classes, it's just a two mana three two, and that's like one of the best case scenarios for a tech card. Like, it's an okay bard body. It's not fantastic, but it's okay. And most of the time, tech cards are really really bad if they don't hit what they're supposed to. Um. Like, so I, I was gonna just say, like for instance, Cobalt Sticky Fingers. If you don't steal a weapon with it, it's a five mana four four. <laughs> so yeah, and Hungry Crab is a one mana one two, which is really, 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 really bad. Um, the difference between uh, Hungry Crab and Galaka Crawler is insane. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. Galaka Crawler was something that you could actually just put into a deck, and most of the time it would be fine, even if you did hit a pirate with it, it was still going to be okay. It was a two um, mana, two, three, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Hungry Crab always sucks if you don't hit the Murloc with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'd be looking to hit it on average, like every other time that you draw it. And depending how your deck is constructed, um, how aggressively you mulligan for it. It could end up being like once every four games that you actually get value from it. And if it's any less than that, it's probably not worth it. Probably should look for something else. Because essentially you're taking a deck, a card out of your deck um, that could potentially be working towards the overall plan of your deck and yep. potentially saying, well, in case I see this, this gives me something to do. Basically, like your deck is supposed to have a fun, like a plan, um, and tech cards rarely work towards that plan. It's more of just making sure you don't die to something that you're weak to, um, which is cool. But at some point, like you're gonna. When you're taking away a card that could be good for you, you're losing percentage points um, in matchups where you could be favored or even or even slightly unfavored and you're just making it even more unfavored and then you're making matchups where you might be unfavored slightly more favored towards you, but maybe you're still unfavored overall. It's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it can be a little messy. I think that, like I said, I think that people are like a little bit too emotional when it comes to the tech cards. Oh my god, I just lost to Warglaze of Asnoth three games in a row. I'm going to stake Acidic Swampoos in every single deck ever. And then they proceed to not get any value out of it for the next five games and wonder why the heck that card is in their deck. Yeah. I mean, another thing, like, if you're just looking at Acidic Swamp Ooze 2 specifically, um, just in this specific case, the argument for it, too, is that it's not a bad 2-drop if you don't have anything else going on on 2. So, if you're looking to curve out, or for some reason... You need some, some... If you're a slower deck and you want something going in the... Early game, it's not the worst minion you can drop onto. So, like, I mean, we can see the difference between something like um, Eater of Secrets versus Flare. Mm-hmm. Eater of Secrets, if I remember correctly, it was a four mana two four that gained plus one plus one for every secret that it destroyed. It saw actually quite a bit of play in mm-hmm. its time, and then you compare that to Flare which destroys all secrets and draws you a card almost never seen throughout the history of Hearthstone. Almost never. All right. Counter argument. Ice block was a secret when Eater of Secrets was in play. Sure. But it, yeah, but, but 
the point is that having a body attached to it makes it make makes the worst worst case scenario not as bad. And yes. Like, sure, Hunter like playing um, two man at a cycle. You know there are worse things that you could be doing, but that generally goes against everything else that Hunter wants to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. so. And and Eater of Secrets wasn't seeing much play in Hunter anyway, so it, it's just going again to the um, more classes care about disrupting the secrets than Hunter did, and so they didn't have access to Flare. Maybe they would have played Flare if they had access to it, but they didn't, so they had Eater of Secrets. Yeah, um, one more I th- one more thing I can think of, but th- I know this is disruption again, but. Um... Like Lothab, people play Lothab, but no one played Rebuke when it was in Paladin. It was a two-mana spell that made your opponent's uh, spells cost five more the next turn. Whereas Lothab does the same thing, but he's a five-mana, five-five. Yeah, that's different because... Yeah. I I think you'd be hard-pressed to say Lothab is a... Well, that's card. Well, that's it why I said at the beginning that it's yeah, a, distru- yeah. a disruption, but it's the same principle, right? Like that, yeah, like a lot of decks that run happy. that, but no one ran uh, rebuke because it didn't have a body attached to it. Like that effect is not good enough on without a body. It's also hard to know when you get value from it, right? Like. Okay. Maybe yeah. you completely screwed up their turn, but you don't know that because they obviously didn't play anything. Um, you know, they probably just played minions, and then it doesn't. And then you spent two mana to do nothing. Whereas at least Lothav, yeah, you got the body onto it. So it's like, not only am I presenting a significant threat that they cannot they they cannot remove it with a spell. They have to either use minion combat or a battle cry. Which is significantly harder to deal five damage on a battle cry than it is to deal five damage with a spell. Yeah. Major, it looked like you were about trying to jump in there. Uh, so I, I guess my my question is like, uh, <laughs> I, I I definitely agree about about people using tech cards way more than they should. I know. Uh, that is a constant drumbeat that like somebody like Jay Alexander talks about a lot with specifically acidic swamp ooze because that that seems to be the card that he sees a lot and being a rogue class mm-hmm. that actually can hit some that can hit your 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 hero power but even then it's like it's it's hardly hardly worth it and and like there's I I guess the 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 thing. I, I wonder is we're trying to differentiate between disruption versus a tech card. And is there really any difference and why, why is there a distinction or what is the distinction between the two? I would say that the distinction is a disrupt disruption is something that is more universally applicable. You're mm-hmm. not using it for a specific turn. You're not using it on a specific um, minion or whatever. It, it's it's you're playing it because it does something positive for you and negative for your opponent. Um, okay. In in a non-conventional sense, like it's not like a battle cry deal X damage, or it's not like um, you know freeze the board doomsday. You know th- those aren't really i wouldn't really classify them as disruption it's 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 like you're making your opponents play more difficult um but yeah like you're not targeting something in particular whereas if you're playing a silence or a ooze or flare or something you're specifically targeting something and it and like it, yeah it, it's more specific in in its usage and we were talking before the show i mentioned uh, big game hunter i don't think that you could say 
big game hunter when it was three mana was really a tech card it was a just a universal card that you put into basically every deck that couldn't that you know wasn't going to end the game on turn five or mm-hmm. turn six because on turn seven dr boom was coming down or on turn four mountain giant was coming down and it just killed it and it left behind a four two body and it only cost three mana like nowadays big game hunter definitely is a tech card yeah because it yeah. has a cost associated to it 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 does it's not universally applicable to basically every single deck in the meta whereas back in the day it was you know now it's there is a cost to it it only targets specific thing it targets the same things but the, i guess the meta has shifted to, to the sense that it's not every deck is including these things like it's it's hard to to say what big game hunter no. was but it, it i i don't think that it is necessarily a tech card back when it cost three mana no i would right. i would no. agree 100 percent with that because it was pretty much it if you didn't have a great three drop or you were a slower deck you ran it yeah i i the, re- the reason I ask, and I, I actually agree with you completely, and I, and I think it's a distinction that I think people sometimes think of tech cards as disruption cards, and they think of them as being more important or more universal than they actually are. And I, and I think that the, the, the talking about Lotheb and Big Game Hunter are actually great examples, because if you think about, like, specifically... I'm just thinking about the way I'm seeing Lothep being used now in wild. It's part of the way that you win games is by disrupting your opponent. Sometimes depending on the type of deck, you might need that damage, you know, your board to go face one more turn in order for you to be able to finish off the game. You might need your opponent not to have two more mana next turn and so that's why you're running mana burn as a as a demon hunter. You just need that. I, I feel like disruption cards actually do a better job of helping you with your win condition than they do necessarily shutting down something your opponent's trying to do. Whereas things like acidic swampus, because of the narrowness in which they can actually affect uh, what your opponent is doing, it it they tend to not not have as big a benefit where like like you're saying i think if you don't play big game hunter and dr boom comes down what are your options for taking that out before it hits you in the face and kills you there's not a lot especially at the time when big game hunter was three game three mana and 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 a neutral dr boom was in just about every deck same with lothep you're you're putting lothep in because you want a 5-5 body and your opponent not to be able to use a spell for the next turn to to deal with that or probably the rest of the board that you might have it at, at on the board at the same time and so i it it's i i think that there's a distinction there and i think sometimes people equate the two and i and i i wanted to kind of have you explain where the difference is and and, and talk about that speaking because i do think that there is there is definitely a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense with the definition that, you know, you know, kind of the explanation Nikolai's gave because, you know, tech is very specific, but disruption is going to be very broad and it's just by its nature. You want to be able to affect the largest number of um, possible outcomes. Whereas a tech card is just literally like, I am betting I will see this, so I pack, you know, I, I know I'm going to see weapons, so I pack Acidic Swamp Ooze, so, um, yeah, so, um, how would you, how would you really tell if a tech card's working? Like, I know you kind of gave a, a range, if, you know, you use it, you know, get something out of it every two to four games you feel like it's working but you know what if i i guess i guess sometimes you hit streaks in the in the ladder where you don't see a specific like sometimes you hit a pocket of like 
priests and you have an acidic swamp ooze in your deck, does that kind of take the validity away from the tech pick? Or is it like, when do you reconsider that you have a, a, a tech card in your deck, I guess is my question, to, you know, um, consider its validity? I like going in 10-game pockets, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that not every game that you drew it and you got value out of it, but more of how many games would you have got value out of it. And if it's less than half, then you should probably take it out for the time being and then reevaluate the next 10 games. Um, sometimes, yeah, you're going to get hit that pocket of where it's not going to get any value, but on average, it should even out. And... Um, yeah, sometimes you're going to hit like three Demon Hunters and you never draw the the ooze and it's going to feel bad sometimes. And then like you enter a priest and you top deck the ooze and the mulligan and it's like, well, where the hell were you the past three games? <laughs> that kind of stuff is going to happen. There's no real way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, could be any card, could not, you know... Um, but yeah, I would, I would look at like t- past ten games and see how often it would have got some value out of it. Um, and then, like, how do you, how would you like evaluate that that this this card you're putting in your deck is doing more more harm than good? Are you looking? Are you still looking at that ten game pocket? Going, well, I could have well, used it. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. More than that, when you're telling it, when you you're trying to tell if it's working or not, it's one. How often are you actually playing it for value, as opposed to just playing it because it's a card in your hand and you don't have anything else to do? And then also, how much value are you getting from it? So, like, if you're if the most use you're getting out of it is you're killing a the second half of the Galakron's claw. Then you can essentially evaluate it as a two mana three to restore five health. Not bad. Which is okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. But is there anything else that you could put in that is better than that? There's a lot of things that are better than that. Mm-hmm. Surprise surprisingly or not, like there's a lot of cards that are better universally than that card um and if you have a specific card in mind then you know the times where you both do play it and the times where you like you do play it for value and the times where you don't it's like how much worse would this card be than the ooze and how much better would it be on the cases where you're not getting value and you know, I think the biggest example is like even during heavy, heavy, heavy Murloc eras, we almost never see Hungry Crab. It is just such a horrendously bad card when it doesn't hit. And then when it does hit, it's like, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. <laughs> if, yeah, it's if almost they have six Murlocs on the board and you're eating a war leader. It probably still isn't doing enough to to carry its own weight because yeah. there's still five other Murlocs on the board. Yeah, and how and close then you are you compared to, to like something that was seen a lot of play, which was like Galaka Crawler? You know, it, a lot of the time they had patches coming out, they had a pirate coming out, and killing that pirate. Usually, usually the pirate that came with. The patches as opposed to patches itself mm-hmm. um reduce the size of their board very early put a minion that they couldn't deal with easily on the board and made it so you had a lot of an easier time removing their board and having them rely on like weapons and spells to try and finish you off which a lot of the times you could follow up with taunts and life gain later in the game so that made a huge impact as opposed to hungry crap. <laughs> um, 
there's some other weird stuff like Eater of Secrets we mentioned. You know, that was popular when, you know, Mage was really strong, especially like the Freeze Mage variants. Oh, yeah. Um, and th that one's a little bit different, I would say. Um, there were some times, especially against the Freeze Mage and Ice Block, where you could not win. You yeah. could not win unless you drew Eater of Secrets. Yes. And because Mage was so prevalent in some of those metagames, what, um, it was basically never being used against Hunter. It was basically never being used against Paladin. It was almost specifically against Mage. And was, Mage was popular enough that it was like one in three games or something. You know, it, it wasn't exactly, but like at some levels... Um, especially, it, it, especially at tournament level stuff, like you had to include Eater of Secrets. Um, yeah, I think one of the then, things I... that I I look at with regards to whether or not a tech card is working is how how often is it in your hand and how long does it stay there? Because there ends up being situations like if you're holding an acidic swamp ooze for four turns because you're playing a Galakrond deck and you're just waiting to get that value. How, how good a tech card is that then? And what, what, what did you take out of your deck that you could have been playing potentially during that time that maybe they don't get to play their Galakrond because they're going to die and they can't afford to, to spend the time to play the Galakrond or something like that. Or, or maybe they get, they don't, they get to keep, uh, working towards their invokes to get that fully invoked Galakrond because you're not putting enough pressure on them uh, beforehand and that sort of thing. So I, I definitely think looking at at what when when the card is in your hand, figuring out how many turns it's staying in your hand, and then what value you're getting after you play it, it it does all can can help you determine whether or not the tech card is actually doing what you're intending it to do. Yeah, and and yeah. I think it's also valid to look at the kind of deck you're playing too, because if you're playing a slower, more controlly deck, is it is that worth it to you to have that that snap answer when when the when that question comes up, or was it better that you had you know another another shield block or uh another bomb card or something like that something something else that is more in the another piece of removal other than stopping that weapon is that more important than you then taking taking out you know and essentially gaining five life five life or potentially stopping a war glaive from clearing the board you build is that is that such a bad thing to watch a demon hunter to hit four minions in a scenario you're building in your head or, you know what I mean? It's just the, the questions are, you really have to make a very conscious decision because at the end of the day, it's a 30 card deck. It's can't be no more, no less. These are, we play in a game that there's a 30 card deck. You draw one card to turn you start off with four to five cards. Is it worth it to stop a weapon? You know, you know, potentially, you know, at, at best, the acidic sampoos heals you for five. At worst, it heals you for two to three. You know what I mean? <laughs> and who plays the earthen, earthen ring farseer? You know, a three mana three three that heals you for three. You know. It's a two mana three two that could heal you for three, if you're looking at it in those grounds. So, I feel like it's just there's a lot of there was a lot of insight into what what you feel like you want to do, and then, like Nikolai says, just review and keep you know like when you see it come up like, yeah, and, and I really like that too. Like look at how long it's in your hand. Like, if that was a card that you actually wanted to be in your deck, how much better would that have been 
for you during those like four turns you're sitting with an acidic swamp ooze in your hand and then like it's just like how many times did you just have to play it because you needed something to go down you know so that's kind of my train of thought on that is there anything else we want to talk about tech cards just remember, this is ladder, not a tournament. Tournament Correct. always has a higher value on tech cards because it's more expected what you're going to be seeing. Yes. And you're more, you can tailor your deck to hit more specific matchups. This isn't tournaments. This is ladder. They're completely different beasts. Don't get fooled by grandmasters or whatever, or the tour stops in the past, whatever it was. That's that's a very, very, very good point. Don't look at Grandmasters and necessarily think that like the choices they are making in deck construction apply to you in Ladder. Just because they get to ban a deck. They get to see what classes they're coming up against. They look at the trends on what's going on. They can make some pretty educated guesses. And then at the end of the day, they see four classes coming their way and then they get to ban one. So like that acidic swamp ooze might be a lot more important if you know you're going to be leaving Rogue up. You know, if you know you're going to, the chances are most people are going to bring Rogue and you're going to ban, you're not going to ban Rogue that will then a couple of acidic swamp oozes throughout your deck isn't the worst thing in the world. So, so. I've got I've got two questions mm-hmm. based on this discussion. The first one is Highlander decks. How much of it does does this when we're talking about tech cards and Highlander decks does does this apply to Highlander decks because they have thirty cards and they can't put can't put two of <laughs> Uh, cards in their deck what, yes. what do you how do you i guess approach tech cards when you're coming when you're when you're looking at highlander decks then or do, does it look any different when you're thinking about a highlander deck versus a standard two of deck um so then it's just down basically to the quality of the other cards you could be including um obviously by having to include 30 different cards, the strength of like the 29th and the 30th card is going to be vastly lower than the first and the second card that you put in. Um, and at that point, you can kind of evaluate like, is this 30th card giving me more value than a Acidic Swamp Booze or whatever it is would on average? And, you know, like, and is it helping my matchups in any way? Like, what's the swing on it? Um, and I think it's easier to put them into those, uh, into Highlander decks. Um, yeah. It's not always, like, sometimes that there are better things that you should be doing. Um, but... It's less of a punish, I would say, because the discrepancy between the strength of the 30th and the tech card is lower than what it would be if you were playing a standard deck, I guess. It's exactly the the point I was was hoping you would make there. The, The threshold or the barrier to get into a 30 card deck there isn't as high because the you're kind of, especially in a four set, uh, which we're in right now, a four set expansion, uh, the, the number of cards that you have accessible to you, I think there's more room right now in the Highlander decks. To f- That's why we're seeing things like Cobalt Sticky Finger in mm-hmm. Highlander Mage or something like that, because the, the threshold, the, the people that are putting those in there think that I could get potentially more value out of this than putting, say, you know, an icicle or something, something, uh, you know, a some sort of mage specific card or or some other neutral card. I don't know that I necessarily agree with them necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, but, I, but there's definitely I, I think the 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 barrier 
Like if you're trying to figure out if you should take out, you know, a faceless corruptor and put in an acidic swamp ooze because you're playing rogue and you're seeing a bunch of warrior that that the the the, the threshold there ha is going to be much higher than than trying to see if you could find find a spot in a 30 card highlander deck to put that acidic swamp ooze in or something so so think of it like this to to get on to get on the highlander deck you you have to be as high to ride the teacups but to get on the Galcron rogue, you got to be able to ride the up to down to the roller coaster. <laughs> so, that's, a, that's a good amusement, amusement park metaphor there. That's, uh, I, like, I like that. So, so my other question is, you know, when we're talking about tech cards and I'm seeing, so I'm, I'm playing Spell Druid and I'm seeing Warrior and I'm seeing all these weapons hit me in the face. Should you know? Is the when 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 do you tech card versus just change the deck? And I think as I think that there are a lot of times people are trying to tech they they want to keep playing the deck that they're playing and running their head against a wall and then tech, trying to tech card to fix the problem versus just switching out the deck and and. Uh, do you think that's going on? And in which case, and, and when do you, when do you, when you're playing, when do you decide to switch decks rather than try to tech, uh, tech your way out of it? So, uh, I just, I just have a quick thought. It just, I feel like when you queue up a deck, you have to understand you're going to have some poor matches. If you don't want to deal with those poor matches, switch to a different deck. But that deck, in turn, will have its own poor matches. So it's just kind of like you can't you can't drop acidic swamp ooze and spell druid. That's bad. It it doesn't sure anything up. It's just not good. It's gonna make your deck perform significantly worse because you're gonna draw it when you were like, wow, I wish I would have drawn an overgrowth or fungal fortunes like this literally does nothing or an, or a bog beam or an iron bark later in the game. Like there's just the deck functions very specifically, and a tech card would just mess it up. That that deck does not have room for tech cards. Now, you can change up some of the high end, depending on your, your preference. Um, but, like, I, I feel like that, card, that deck is just like, you have to be okay with how this deck plays. And if you're not okay with it, then it, that's not the deck for you. So... I just I just feel like there's there's some like some decks you can't tech against their bad matchups like uh, token druid in the past you couldn't tech against warpath so if you were if you were upset that you were gonna get blown up by a warrior playing warpath then well maybe you know maybe uh token druid isn't the deck for you so and I I, I jumped in before Nicolaus but so Nicolaus did you wanna get in on this <laughs> um i don't know if there's much else to say um, oh, okay i did not mean to steal your thunder <laughs> that's fine doesn't matter um <laughs> it's yeah like your deck how much is that tech card actually doing and like both for that matchup and in other matchups that aren't the thing that it's being targeted for. Like, does it make a significant difference? Like, the... The, the example that you said, like, ooze into warrior, like, generally speaking, the weapon's not what's killing you. Mm -hmm. It's like the AoE board clears that's killing you, so the ooze is really not doing anything. To help that matchup and then it's going to be hurting your other matchups so if you don't like losing to warrior then don't play token druid simple <laughs> as that um if you want to beat warriors then play something that beats warriors and maybe then you can throw in the acidic swamp boost to make that matchup even better because you just really don't want to lose to warriors i don't know but yeah, yeah, except I, that decks have that the, the, the best decks in Hearthstone history do not run 
tech cards. Tempo Demon Hunter at release did not run tech cards. Even Paladin did not run tech cards. Undertaker Hunter did not run tech cards. Tech cards are a response to the best decks or an attempt to respond to the best decks. It is not something the best decks themselves put in unless it is a tech card against the mirror because it is so goddamn common and good that is the only thing that you need to tech against. Like mm-hmm. there the Millhouse Mana Storm was being run in even Paladin. Because <laughs> it was in the yeah. high level of the game, Millhouse Mana Storm was being run in even Paladin because it made sure that your call to arms was better than your opponent's. And that is the only way you lost that game. Because no one ever, 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 ever once said, I'm going to play Milthos Mana Storm <laughs> on turn two and not have it go badly into the next turn. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that when you cheated out on turn four with two other two drops, it's really goddamn good. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, like, like those are the kind of tech even then, like, uh, you know, that that's because it was so goddamn popular and so goddamn strong that you could afford to run Millhouse Mana Storm and your Even Paladin and have your win rate not significantly damaged when you drew it. Because when you got it on the call to arms, especially when it was against the mirror, you won so goddamn often it didn't matter. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's I never really thought about that. But yeah, that's a really strong two drop to be pulling out of call to arms too so it's not exactly I was a the... huge fan of it but yeah the best the highest win rate even paladin list well called arms was at four mana all of them run or ran uh millhouse mana store basically yeah no, yeah that I, makes I sense think make, i think you make some good points both the the idea that everybody's every deck is going to have matchups where they're have unfavored matchups and a lot of the decks have you know a large a larger swath of unfavored matchups and so if you're looking for you want to try and find something that if that's not your cup of tea rather than trying to tech that and try and fix that which probably will then make your your matchups other matchups worse you should probably look for a deck that has a more even matchup spread across what is currently being played and so looking looking at the deck itself rather than that and then just use looking at at the one of, one of the things i like about deck tracker is the fact that it keeps track of your the games that you play so you can see this is how many times i played against demon hunter and i maybe will not make as emotional a response and try and make a tech card jam a tech card in to face because I think I'm facing nothing but demon hunters and, and this, this, this awesome tech card is going to, going to fix that issue. So look, look, look at your, look at your stats, look at how you're doing against, against those matchups and, and definitely consider changing decks. If you're, if you're finding uh, a matchup where you're strongly considering a tech card, because as you pointed out, some of the best decks in Hearthstone's history do not or were not running tech cards because they they didn't need them. They were doing what they were intended to do from start to finish and it didn't really matter what your opponent was doing cuz they were going to steamroll to a victory that way. Yep. A good a good defense is a great offense, so to, so to speak. <laughs> That's true. If you kill them, they can't kill you. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> remember your good old face hunter template. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that is, hit me up. I will get that for you. It's hilarious. Um. Anyways, uh, let's go over this week's poll question that does involve historical tech cards. Yes, our poll question for this week is we would like to know from you what is your favorite tech card from Hearthstone's history? Is it uh, the the Gluttonous Ooze? Uh, definitely uh, the the Ooze of Choice of uh, the uh, Dr. 3 podcast, it sounds like. <laughs> it uh, is. Dirty, 
Dirty Rat is another one. Uh, the Galaka Crawler that we talked about that uh, ate, ate, ate pirates and got to two, two or three for one after that, usually. Or was is there a current or former tech card that you like more than any of these three? Definitely let us know. Reply. Put, you know, make us pick one of those three if they're your favorite or reply with your favorite. And we will talk about your favorite tech cards in Hearthstone's history on next week's show. Yeah, if Twitter gave us more than four answers, we definitely have some more for you. But unfortunately, yeah, eh. we didn't. We didn't talk about Harrison Jones. Harrison Jones is another weapon hate that uh, sees yeah. a lot of play. That that's true. That, I kind of forgot I think it's about. It's a bit of a disruption card because there is the card draw aspect of it too. That I think. Uh, decks rely on uh, especially control decks rely on card draw and so having the weapon destruction with the added card draw makes it uh more of a disruption than specifically a tech card yeah yeah all right guys um different you can, kind yeah different kind you can it's find like get hitting a five one sorry hitting a five one galakron's claw with harrison jones is generally worse than hitting like a two six doom hammer with it yeah. if there's a lot of doom hammers you probably want the jones if there's a lot of claws you probably want the ooze so sure. but, different but now that sack pack is the sack pack has been nerfed we'll see a lot more uh jaraxxus weapons where's <laughs> and jones can come back <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even keep a straight face draw seven cards it'll get you out of that hole <laughs> Anyways, you can that find does this belong in a museum. That yeah, does, yes. That is that's one of my favorite real quick aside because it just made me think one of my favorite things of playing World of Warcraft was when Cataclysm came out and I don't you're running the Harrison Jones quest line and you see Harrison Jones like fist fighting a guy in front of a gnome helicopter, that gnome plane, like the scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite moments in any Blizzard game. So I always love that. So anyways, you can find the show at dr3hs at gmail.com. You can email us there. You can find us on Twitter at dr3hs. Uh, top twin top pin tweet will get you to our discord and you can find me on twitter at daring outline nicholas nicholas one two three on twitter and mage you can find me on twitter at Majadeth, and monday wednesday friday you can find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash Majadeth. all right guys that's gonna wrap up uh, this episode of Doctor Three. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, you've been listening to Doctor Three.